Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Joining me once again from Believe in Astros with our Jeff Blum. Baseball has been gone so long, I can't remember people's names. But anyway, welcome back to the podcast, Jeff Balky. Jeff, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much. You know, it's uh, it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens, <laughs> as they say, <laughs> as they say in the song. No, Is that it's Run it's DMC? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, no, it's good. It's the holidays. It's a uh, little downtime uh, for baseball, obviously. Um, even with the hot stove going, but. Uh, yeah, it's been good. Not too bad. Uh, just trying to enjoy my uh, my holiday. What do you think about what the Astros did in the winter <clears throat> meetings? Well, I mean, they didn't do very much. I mean, they signed yeah. a backup catcher, uh, which you know, they, they, they which they needed. They signed a, a reliever. They traded for a reliever, which they needed. Um, you know, they. I, I kind of think the Astros, where they are at the moment, they did what they could do. Um, this is not a team that is. You know, they said before. The uh, the winter meetings, they said we're not going to overspend on a reliever. They made that mistake last year when they did that with Rafael Montero. Yeah. Um, if they were going to spend on anybody, it's going to be Hector Neris. That still is a possibility. Um, he's still out there, but um, <clears throat> I think you know it, it's. I think it's tough in this modern sort of baseball world when you're a team that is really good, like the Astros. Um, you don't have a ton of needs to begin with. This team doesn't have a boatload of needs, right? Um, They're overloaded in starting pitching, arguably. Uh, They're going to be solid in the bullpen again, even with only one addition. They're basically, and and there's no position really that they're going to be replacing uh, in the regular starting rotation. So when you get right down to it, they don't have a ton of needs. And then you look around and everybody is just spending willy-nilly like like every like money just grows on trees and you start wondering well why aren't the astros spending like the dodgers or like the yankees or you know whoever it is and it can be frustrating but frankly i'm not sure they really need to um there will be worries now come next year we'll start to be thinking about that a little bit more with alex bregman and from valdez and some others um but this year I, i mean what exactly? I mean, they were one game away from the World Series. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much you can really put on them. And everybody wants everybody to spend money, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as big. A, I'm not as worried about it as maybe others might be. I think it's a good thing for you to have a team that is so good that you don't need anything. Yeah. I mean, they addressed first base last year. You still have right. Altuve. You have Pena, Bregman, yeah. Jordan, Chaz, Kyle Tucker. Right. Uh, you look at the pitching. You have JV, Framber, <laughs> CJ. You got Hunter uh, Brown, Lance McCullers, and uh, yeah, you're going to return Luis Luis Garcia and yeah. uh, and Lance McCullers. Presumably, um, you're going to be stocked really, and uh, you know, with with 
If you're going to make any moves, if the Astros are going to make any moves this year, they're probably going to move a starter. Yeah. And that would be the logical place to go. Um, yeah. And, uh, but there's not really a great reason to do that. I mean, unless you're really going to upgrade somewhere and let me, and they're, they're not going to upgrade at closer. They're not going to upgrade at setup, man. Um, they're not going to upgrade at really any of their positions in the field. Um, I mean, unless they're going to go out and get like a big named center fielder or something, I just, it's hard to imagine they're going to go out and make any massive moves and it's not in the Astros MO to do that either. I mean, that this just not is, that's just not who they are as an organization. They tend to spend their money relatively wisely. They try to grow from within. And frankly, the struggles they have growing from within are partially due to the fact that they lost, you know, four top draft picks over two seasons when, yeah. with the sign stealing thing. So I think, you know, if we're going to say anything to fans, it's, you know, you kind of have to preach patience in this, in this circumstance. Um, if this were another team, if the Astros had not missed the playoffs, let's say, um, or if they weren't very good last year, then this would be a different conversation. But yeah. the fact that the Astros are still really good, um, you know, it sort of mitigates that a little bit. Now, having said that, this year might be the last year of that. I mean, Verlander's coming up for the end of his contract, uh, although he, I think he can opt in because of the, uh, because of some of his contract deals. From the, you know, you've got free agency coming up for guys like Framber Valdez and Alex Bregman. Not long after that, Kyle Tucker. Then you can start to say, okay, and then you've got the end of another one more year at first base. Um, how long are you going to extend Jose Altuve? So yeah, this might be the last year we can sit around in the during the winter meetings and go, eh, it's all right. You know, after this year, you know, some some changes are probably going to be in in the offing. Yeah, we're going to get to the point where the Astros will have needs. Yep. But if you look at the uh, – I was taking a look at it. I didn't write it down, but uh, if you look at the payroll, uh, yeah. Bregman makes $30 million, Altuve right. makes $29. Uh, I think JV makes 45 but the yep. Astros only pay 22 of it. Right. Uh, Jordan gets paid. Lance McCullers gets paid. I mean, there's yep. a lot of people getting paid. This guy's going to get paid in arbitration too. I mean, Framber Valdez is probably going to get 12 or 14 million in arbitration. You Kyle know, there's Tucker. there's there's guys getting paid real money. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of guys on the payroll. And my opinion on uh, you know, a lot of fans, I I don't do it, but a lot of fans are like, <laughs> "We're not making moves. You got to go out and make moves. Don't worry about spending over the luxury tax. The Astros are worth this much. You got money. We don't the other teams are desperate. The other teams right. are desperate to, to to have a winning team, and we're not. We're good. Yeah, and and look, let's be honest. When you look out there, you say, okay, if you're a team like the the Dodgers, uh, that has more money than God, or the Mets, or the Yankees, <clears throat> making those moves, number one for them, it makes fiscal sense, right? Like the money that they will make back because of their television deals and because of their their in their certain circumstances then of course they're going to go out there and spend big. They have to. But if you look at the other teams that were really good, I mean, you look at the Atlanta Braves. They're not making, they're not out there blowing people away with their moves. Um, there, are te- there are a lot of teams out there. Seattle's actually, I think, gotten worse over the offseason from some of their moves. Dallas, you know, the Rangers won the World Series. They're not out there going willy-nilly. Um, <clears throat> and there are some arguments that they probably should be, given the health of some of their pitching. Um, and their relief core. Um, but when you look at it, and the Phillies, they're not spending boatloads of money. They already did that. So I think when you look at some of these teams and you're saying, well, why aren't the Astros spending? Well, a lot of teams aren't spending. Um, there are a handful of teams that are spending boatloads of money. Now, I, having said that, <clears throat> the I did this, I, was, I tweeted about this the other day. In the last five seasons, only, I think, two, teams out of all uh, 20 that were in the final four over the last five seasons were lower market teams. Everybody else was in top 10, if not top five in spending. So <clears throat> this is not a league like the NFL or the NBA where there's parity because of salary cap. So at some point, teams are going to have to spend or you're going to get left behind. I just don't think it's the time yet for the Astros. 
Yeah, we have Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, JV. There's some players that could not be around. Yep. Not after this coming up season. They could all be gone. Yeah. And then the Astros will spend money. You guys right. that want them to spend money, you'll be able to, to and be also, happy. And also, they're going to look – I mean, they're going to move guys up too. I mean, Spencer Arigetti is very close to becoming a major league starter or at least certainly someone on the major league roster. Jacob Melton is close to becoming a major league outfielder. There are guys that they have drafted. <clears throat> the kid that they drafted last year is a shortstop prospect. He's close to coming up. There are some guys in the minor leagues who are going to be pushing uh, up against the major. And that's what you want. I mean, that's ideally what you want. Um, and so I think this year is going to be one of those years where the Astros are a little bit hamstrung in their abilities to make moves, even trades, because they're not going to decimate their minor league system because they don't have a ton in it. They need to, I mean, they already made the trade to get Verlander yeah. and they traded away to their prospects for that. So you're not going to see them making, I don't think those kind of, those kind of big moves this year. I think they're going to ride it out. I mean, and try to be really good, try to play. I mean, look, they can be better defensively this year than they were yeah. last year. Um, they're going to play Chris um, immediately. Yiner Diaz should be an upgrade offensively. Yeah. The again. offense should be better with <clears throat> the offense should be better. So just, uh, just a handful of things might make this team better than it was. And as we know, spending boatloads of money and payroll, is not a guarantee <laughs> of winning. I mean, the Mets and were a perfect San Diego, another yep. good example last year, teams that spent lots of money and didn't come away with much to show for it. No. So the Astros were talking to Hector Neris. We know they're still talking to him and you brought that up earlier. Yeah. And they're touching base with Jordan Hicks. Right. But if they don't have any money, how are they going to bring these guys in? He's going to have to go over the tax threshold to bring these guys in. Yeah, I think Jim Crane will do it if he thinks it's a difference maker. Um, I'm not sure Jordan Hicks is that guy. Um, but Hector Neris, I can see it. Like, yes, the, the Astros do. I think so. I do think they will prioritize guys that have been here right <clears throat> i think that's something where you can look at jim crane and you can say okay naris is a guy we know and and look if there's anybody who wants to spend money to protect the back end of the rotation and and the bullpen it's jim crane he has said it numerous times he believes that's where your safety net is um is in the rotation and in the bullpen and he has not been shy about spending for those things so I think that yeah, I think that there's a real chance you could you could see somebody like Naris come back, um, and I think that's something that that I'm not counting on it certainly, and I don't think the Astros need to count on it. Yeah. They do have other options in the bullpen, but I think if you did have that, well, then immediately you have your seven, eight, nine guys, right? And frankly, even without him, Kendall Graveman's still here. And pitched yeah. very well last year. So I mean, and if you had if you do add Naris back and you keep and you've got Graveman, now you've got six, seven, eight, nine pretty much locked up. And you have a lot of good options in addition to that from you know, Ronel Blanco and uh guys that pitched in a bunch in the minor leagues to Montero, who will be back. Um, much to the chagrin of some, I know. Uh <laughs> but you know, the hey, maybe we'll get the old Montero back. Well, he was good during part of the year last year. It's yeah. not like he was bad all year. Um, any any more than Christian Javier was good all year or bad all year. I mean, honestly, when you look at the 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 pitching last year, there wasn't really anybody that was consistently good or bad. You could make yeah. the argument maybe that there was a guy or two that, that pitched well throughout the year, but pretty much everybody was up and down last year. It was a weird year for the Astros. So we'll see. I mean, I, I just don't think there should be any big time major moves because I think it would end up costing the team later. So I don't think this has any <clears throat> effect on the Astros not wanting to spend a ton of money, mm -hmm. but they're going to be losing like $73 yeah. million. A lot. Not having that AT&T uh, T deal anymore. It's going to be the sports. Yep. It's a uh, space city network, space cities, home network. That's what space it's called. City, it's network. them and the, it's them and the rockets. Look, this is what <clears throat> they were supposed to have. When they had um, uh, the uh, uh, N MS the NBC sports networks back, you know, a number of years ago, twenty, mm -hmm. and that whole thing imploded. And that whole thing, I, I actually wrote about that at the time. I was kind of involved in writing about that story, and it was actually the Astros that imploded that deal. 
Um, the fact of the matter uh, is the Astros and the Rockets came together on a deal, but the problem was they could not get a carriage agreement with the major providers, predominantly uh, AT&T and DirecTV. They could not get uh, carriage agreements with them. And the carriage agreements, for people who don't know what they mean, <clears throat> if you have cable of any kind, you pay a certain amount of money for every channel every month. That's the deal. And those are the ones that come in your basic ca cable channels. And so what, what will happen is they'll charge you a dollar, $2, $6, $5, whatever it is for these channels. Mm -hmm. And these agreements have to be made with these channels to say, Hey, we want, we want, we think you can charge X amount of dollars. And the cable company says, no, we can't charge that much. We can only charge this much. And so then they have to haggle that out. And at the time they could not come to carriage agreements and from all the reporting, including my own, the Astros were really the holdup in that regard. They wanted more. The Rockets were satisfied with what was available, and the Astros weren't. They kind of imploded the deal. And in fact, there's still a lawsuit going on about this because when Jim Crane bought the team, uh, he believes that the team was overvalued because of the network. That essentially Drayton McLean said, hey, this team's worth a lot more because we are partners in the sports network. When they got in, they felt like, no, they actually that wasn't true at all. That they were not just, it, it wasn't just that it was overvalued. It was extremely overvalued. So that still continues to this day. And that's been 10 years now almost. So I think when when you look at this, the the network that they have, the reality is they had to do this because... AT&T, Sports, Southwest, all these networks, Bally's, all of them are going under. The, all the regional sports networks, the RSNs, they're all going under. So the Astros Rockets really didn't have a choice but to start this network. Now, the good thing is that they already have carriage agreements in place until 2035. So they have a channel. They have a place on the network, no problem. Although, from what I understand, they may not have bought the second channel. Because, <laughs> you know, if, if you're on Com, yeah. if you're on Xfinity... Uh, they had they had not only channel 639, I think it is, but they also had like 710, which was extra rollover in case you had an Astros game and a Rockets game at the same time, for example. As I understand it, they don't own that other channel. I think on DirecTV, it was like 0.5. Something, something like something that. Something weird like that. And, I, and, I, and I'm not sure they own that. I'm not sure they got that along with the regular channel. So listen, this is a complex situation that ultimately is going to end in Major League Baseball probably taking over uh, most of the broadcast rights of these teams finding, because listen, eventually all this is going to go to streaming. Anyway, there's going to be a point where the concept of cable is going to be as antiquated as a landline in your house for a telephone. Um, so, but it's just going to take some time. And so the good news is the Astros will be on television. The bad news is it's going to cost them money because they're not, they, they don't have a network paying them royalty fees. Right. You know, for their, you know, for their, uh, for their TV broadcast. So it, they're going to have to make money, more money from advertising and, and all of that. And, and it's good to try and offset it, but it's going to cost them particularly this year uh, with all the startup costs they have and everything else. So that's, that's probably going to be, I can't imagine it wouldn't be a factor. Jim Crane's rich, but he's not crazy rich. <laughs> you know, he's a billionaire, with, but he's not like capital B billionaire. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not Elon Musk. So yeah. during the off season, you know, like they're not spending money because of this. You get conspiracy mm -hmm. theories out there. I and one that I read today is like the Astros were worth, <laughs> you know, Jim Crane bought the Astros for six hundred million. Now they're worth two billion. Maybe he's not spending money because he's going to sell the team. He's not selling the team. No, Jim Crane is. Jim Crane has no desire. He loves the Astros. He loves owning that baseball team. Uh, this is a labor of love for him. He's not selling that team. Um, and that, that, first of all, listen, I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories to begin with of any variety, just simply because I think they, they, because anybody can make them up and there's no basis in reality or fact. Um, <clears throat> so if you, if you don't like that people still think Jose Altuve used a buzzer, then maybe per, perhaps don't go with conspiracy theories about people, about Jim Crane selling the team. Because in lots sending anything, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's all yeah. tinfoil hat wearing weirdness. I, my personal feeling is is that this is just one year, right? Jim Crane is listen. Jim Crane has not exactly been a Grinch when it comes to spending money. 
The guy has spent a lot of money on this on this franchise. Now he's made a lot of money too. Good for him. He's supposed to. He's a businessman. Yeah. But I don't see this as some sort of like we're not sit, little sisters of the poor. You know, we the, the Astros are a top ten payroll team, top five in 2019. So I just don't think we have really many things we can complain about right now. It just sucks when it's in comparison to teams that are just like flinging money bags around like the Monopoly guy. You know, it's it feels kind of sucky that we're the ones sitting <laughs> back here waiting for something big to happen. Yeah, that's what I always say every offseason. Like, what do we need? We don't need te- people like these other guys. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to ask you this before we move on to the next subject. Yeah. Uh, they came out saying Jake Myers is our man in center field. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it's it? His, it's his to lose. What do you think about that? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I, you know, I was a little surprised. Um, not that I don't think that they're going to give uh, Jake Myers some time out there. Um, it's an interesting maneuver for two reasons. First of all, it definitely tells you where their mindset is with Jordan Alvarez. Like Jordan Alvarez wants to play left field. He wants to play some left field. And the Astros are like, we want you to DH. Yeah. Not because he's not he's terrible in left field. He's actually pretty good. He's got a great arm. But <clears throat> I think more to the point, they want to protect him. They know how incredibly valuable he is at the plate, much more so than he is in the field. I think the second thing it tells you is that the Astros are a team that really does value defense. Now, they were not great defensively last year, particularly in the infield, but in the outfield, they were not bad. And their best defensive lineup for sure is Tucker Myers uh, McCormick. That's definitely their best defensive line. Lineup not Dubon? You could argue Dubon. but Dubon want a gold glove, didn't he? Well, he won it for as a utility. As an oh, as a utility. utility guy. All right, right. Right. And he played more infield than outfield last year. All so right. I think we're going to see plenty of Dubon. I think we're going to see him giving guys day off all over the field uh, this coming year. I think we're going to see lots of him. But I think you're still your best defensive lineup is is Myers, McCormick, and and Tucker. And I think the reason for that, Myers did his arm is Im- improved, right? He he struggled a little bit after that injury. But the main thing is those guys have so much spread all over the field. They have they are so fast. They cover so much ground that I think it's going to be – I think putting those three out there is going to make you better defensively. The yeah. other thing, and I think this is one that might be a little under the radar, Jake Myers had a little bit of a good run for a short period of time. He did. One of the, but one of the issues is, like so many guys, he just didn't get much time. He didn't play a lot. And so you start to wonder, okay, well, they're not going to have Corey Jolks out there, right? I assume if if they do bring – they might bring him back, but I, I can't imagine they would. You're not going to have a bunch of guys playing in the outfield. So you're going to have more time for a guy like Jake Myers. Let him play. If he doesn't show up offensively and you do start to see – well, you do have guys like Dubon. You, do, you can plug – Jordan Alvarez into the outfield. And then he becomes potentially a trade scenario where you can do something like you did with uh, whose name always escapes me. But when you traded for um, <clears throat> when you got Yiner Diaz, when you got Yiner Diaz and you got uh, and you got Phil Maton and you made the move at that point. And that was another speedy center fielder. I never can remember. Why do I that name always escape? It me? was the guy from uh, the, he sent to, they sent him to the Guardians. Yes, correct. What's and it, I, Miles or Miles? There you go, Miles. There. Yeah, Miles Straw. Miles so, Straw. Yeah, he always slips my mind. But that's an that's the same type of thing that you might be able to see them do to give him time, see where he's at. Because look, he is a very good defensive center fielder. Um, he's his arm is still suspect. If he can get his arm back up to strength, great. But and and I the only concern I have in all of this is they better not be taking Chas McCormick out of the lineup. Chas McCormick was arguably your third best bat- hitter last year. I mean, it, plus eight hundred OPS. You just cannot. He's got to play. And uh, I know that there's the concern. Well, what do you run him out there against non lefties? He's not. He was better against righties last year. So I I just think he need, whatever the case is, he needs to be your everyday guy. Maybe yeah. Jordan goes to left field, and then uh, that, and that's what I read. 
And then you that put Myers. But if Jordan's in the outfield, he's going to slide over to center. Yeah, McCormick. So it seems like McCormick is definitely going to be a starter. He's got to be an everyday starter. I mean, he is just he's just too good at this point. Yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting they said it, though. There were some people, again, conspiracy, that were like, oh, they're hyping him up because maybe they're going to deal him. I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to give him a shot. He's young, right? Give Myers a shot. Let him see if he can hit every day. He really hasn't had a chance to do that, frankly, since he's been called up. So let's see if he can do that. And if he can't, well, then you've you've got to, you know, you can make a move. Yeah. You spoke about Jordan DHing. Isn't his numbers aren't his numbers yeah. better when he's playing? Yeah, I mean, there's there's <laughs> an argument about that. You know, I read something last year because Yiner Diaz was better when he played than when he DH'd. You know, there yeah. there's there's been some discussion about that, you know, about how guys just sitting there and then getting up and swinging a bat, they're not as effective as when they're in a game. Um, I haven't seen any stats to necessarily prove or disprove that, but it is an interesting thought. And, and Jordan has said he is generally thinks he's better. Um, look, the, the biggest thing is they're going to protect these guys. They're going to protect Jordan. They're really going to try to protect Altuve. You know, they're going to try to protect these guys so that they are healthy. His health really hurt them last year. Yeah. So we actually had a we had a comment from Guadalupe here. When playing, I I don't know if this is about Jordan or not, but hmm. well, I'll tell you my feeling about guys that are going to be out there is that this is I feel like Joe Spada. One of the changes he's going to make is I think he's going to go out there and play the guys with the hot hands. I mean, I really do. I think, you know, Blum and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we'll probably talk about it tomorrow. We're doing our 100th podcast tomorrow. Nice. Um, I, you know, I, we're gonna, I, I'm sure we'll bring it up again. And that is one of the things that frustrated him with, with Dusty was that a guy would have a, just a screaming great game. He'd hit a bunch, you know, go four for four. And the next game, he'd give him a day off. Yeah. And Blummer's like, players hate that. You know, they want to keep playing. If they feel like they're on a hot streak, they're going to, I mean, you go back to Bull Durham, it's like, don't mess with a streak. You know, it's like, that's kind of the thing. And I feel like, I feel like a spot is going to be more of that kind of guy. He's going to be, the so. kind of, yeah. I, he just strikes me as someone who's going to stick with the hot hand. That's something that uh, frustrated fans big time. I bet it even frustrates the, his their own teammates. They're like, why are they taking this guy out? He yeah, just, I mean, he just it's, like killed it's kind, it the last. Well, two and days. I know a lot of it was like, well, that's his plan day off. Well, so what? Throw Change the, it. Burn the schedule. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's totally fine. It's not going to hurt anything. I I think that. Look, I think the main thing that we saw with Dusty Baker last year is Dusty is an old school guy, right? And while he did embrace analytics, I think that was excellent, and he and it definitely made a difference in certain aspects of of the way he called games. Um, I think the biggest thing that we saw from Dusty Baker is that he was becoming frustrated because a lot of things about the game and the things around the game were changing. You saw he was like getting sick of bloggers and writers and all this. Like that just that's so weird to like have those kind of complaints. It's like that just sounds like somebody who was used to it a certain way. It's not that way anymore. And now they don't want to deal with it, which I understand. You know, I mean, I don't even believe he said that. He said something. I know it was crazy. It was so weird. Like he was tired of people and he kept getting asked the same questions. He didn't like it. He didn't like being asked, well, you know, don't run out the same lineups. You know, it's, I think that, that there is a, an expectation, uh, certainly of, of players and, but also of coaches and general managers and everybody else that in the today, in the, the, the today world, you know, we are in the world of social media you have to be accountable and not accountable is the wrong word. You have to be available and answer questions you don't want to answer. You know, yeah. it's just, it comes with the territory. I mean, there are presidential candidates doing like, you know, answer, you know, Q and a on Reddit. Like this is how the world is now. I mean, you just don't have a choice. So either strap in and get used to it or don't do it, you know? And I feel like a spot of just Joe spot. I've, I've only, been around him a little bit at games. You know, Blum knows him really well, actually. Blum likes him a lot, and they've become friends. But from what I can tell about him, he's a guy that's very comfortable talking to people, chatting with people, you know, having conversations. 
um, listening about what people have to say. I think that's going to be really helpful for this team overall. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to, to get your opinion on this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It could have been even longer. Mm-hmm. There's this big rumor Again, tinfoil yeah, right. hat, maybe. I don't know how much truth there was about it. Mm-hmm. But they're going to trade Alex Bregman. And then they yeah. come back and say they're not. When it first came out, if you thought it was true that they're shopping Alex Bregman, what is your thoughts on that? Well, if I thought it was true, I actually never believed it. I, I My feeling about a deal is that it's so out of character for the Astros to do something like that. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't do it with, you know, they didn't do it with uh, uh, George Springer. Uh, you know, they didn't do it after that with Carlos Correa. I it just, it's, and, and granted, they don't have Jeremy Pena and other people bagging them up, but they don't really have a center fielder to replace George Springer. So my I didn't believe it, but had I believed it, had yeah. I thought this was believed, then it would make sense, right? But, but, and this is the key, but <clears throat> the problem with trading Alex Bregman, the most significant problem is, is the Astros have nobody to play third base. So if they're going to make a deal for Alex Bregman, they would have had to make a deal to bring in another third baseman. Yeah. They could not have just traded him out. Like this would be a different scenario if they were going to trade, let's say, Kyle Tucker, because you could make the argument. I'm not saying it's the right argument, but you yeah. can make the argument that you could start Alvarez and McCormick and Myers and in, in the outfield, and you could bring in prospects or whatever else. Um, <clears throat> there are even prospects, arguably, arguably there are prospects that could perhaps replace Jose Altuve in a year. Um, you've got guys that maybe could play some first base. You don't have anybody in the system. I mean, nobody that plays yeah. third base effectively enough to be considered someone ready for the major leagues in the next two seasons. Yeah. So that was my biggest concern about a deal like that is, okay, let's, I understand the reasoning behind it is in the last year of his deal. He's unlikely to come back to Houston. Uh, he's going to want a long-term deal. The Astros aren't going to be willing to give him. Okay. I'm all, I'm with all of that, but in order to get him, you have to replace him. And that was my biggest concern. I just don't know who you replace him with. I mean, and what team is just going to swap out third baseman? It's not like you're going to send him somewhere and get back somebody that's as good as he is. That's not how it works, right? So that was my biggest concern with with a move for Alex Bregman. Yeah. Was that, you know, what are you going to get back in return? And you're going to have a giant hole at third base. Yeah, my thoughts are like, if you could trade for a third baseman that is good, Mm-hmm. And maybe it comes along with a bullpen arm that right. is good, and you have a couple of years with these guys. 
But the, I mean, the reason, and I know you know this, but the reason the Astros don't trade Carlos Correa in his final year, the reason they don't trade George Springer and Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker and all these guys is because they're in the playoffs. They're in the World Series hunt. Yep. If the Astros are 40 games below 500 at the All-Star break, they're going to make some moves. Oh, well, yeah. Well, look but at what I'm, they did before they got into all this. I mean, yeah. back in, you know, <clears throat> back in like 2013, 2014, where they're just unloading guys. I mean, they were just <laughs> unloading. I mean, one after the other after the other. The people are just there. Like, you, they, yeah. I mean, you needed, I mean, you had to track airlines just to figure out who was leaving and who was coming and going. This is not that team. And you're exactly right. Yeah. When we, when somebody had asked the question, uh, maybe last year, who do you keep, Alex Bregman mm-hmm. or Jose Altuve? And I know everybody loves Jose Altuve, and that's <laughs> going to be almost everybody's answer. But I, I think, and you almost said this earlier, Alex Bregman is the hardest person right yep. now for the Astros to replace. Yeah. The hardest one. <laughs> There's not another Alex Bregman on the roster. If you look at second baseman, you got Will Wagner. There are some decent, good players that are going to be major leaguers that play outfield and second base, but mm-hmm. there's no third baseman. There's Alex Bragg would be definitely the hardest guy to replace. No doubt. Now, having said all that, that's not what they're going to do. I mean, they're not going to pay Alex Bregman the money and the years no. that he's going to want. And and listen, whatever people think about the Astros' choices in that matter, they're, the Astros are right. <laughs> Every team is trying to replicate what the Astros are doing because the Astros have been successful. Now, that means you have to draft well. It means you have to be good in your player development side. It means you have to be excellent when it comes to uh, foreign signings uh, of players, particularly from Latin America, which the Astros have excelled at. Um, So you have to do all of those other things well. But if you do those things well then you don't have to give out 9, 10, 11-year contracts to guys who are 29, 30 years old. This past year, when the talk of, of uh, Kyle Tucker's extension was coming, was, was out there before last season and into the spring, I had said at the time that if the Astros were ever going to do an 8, 9, 10-year deal, that was the guy to do it with. Because at the time, Kyle Tucker was only 24 years old. Yeah. Right. So if you if you give him nine years and, you know, whatever, umpteen hundred millions of dollars. OK, there's an argument to be made that that's a reasonable deal for a guy who's 24 years old, because when his contract is up, he's still probably a productive MLB player. But if you give a guy who's 30, 31, a nine year deal, it's almost certain that he will not be worth the you know, 20, 30, $40 million a year that you're paying him when he's 38, 39, 40 years old. Like it's yeah. almost, it's, it's almost impossible. And, and so a lot of these teams giving out these contracts, I mean, when they, what the one deal was like 11 years paying somebody till they're like 42, that's insane. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just bad baseball business. I think it's bad for that team. I think it's bad for baseball in general um, because it sets standards that, you know, literally half the teams can't meet um but to me the biggest problem with that is with alex bregman you're not going to pay a 30 year old you're not going to give him nine or nine or ten years someone will yeah the astros just aren't going to do it yeah the astros offer alex bregman five years 30 million he's not going to take it he wants more than that because he'd be 35 years old no they're now they'll offer jose altuve four or five years he'll take it and then he'll retire right and that will make sense like as much as Jose Altuve has a game that he'll probably still be good in three or four years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jose Altuve will probably finish his career hitting close to 300, right? Because that's just who he is. His game translates. Maybe he'll lose some of his power. Maybe he loses some of his speed, but he's certainly not going to lose his ability to hit. Um, so you can, you can make arguments and say, okay, well, you know, you got Jose Altuve and you can also say, well, we'll DH him occasionally. Yeah. You know, as he gets older, we'll DH him some, play play young guy at second base, blah, blah, blah. Bregman, you just can't do that. It's just not it's not feasible uh, given his age. I think you either give short-term deals to older guys or you give long-term deals to younger guys. Everything in the middle, you can't make those kinds of deals. It's just not reasonable. And, and 
look, as much as we we're fans, right? So as much as we want to like win every single year, you have to make provisions and plans for what's to come. You can't just, I mean, the Astros wrote out the worst three seasons, perhaps in baseball history in order to get to the seven or so years of just continued excellence. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be give and take. You just don't have a choice. My next topic is for Amber Valdez. I've heard rumors that they might want to trade him. Right. What'd you hear about that? Well, excuse me. I'm chewing a piece of ice here. Like an, like a jerk. (laughs) This is what happens when you have a thing of ice and no water in it and you're thirsty. Um, So everything that my gut tells me is that this situation is similar to Alex Bregman, but not exactly. Um, I could see them trading Fromber. I don't think there was ever a rumor of Fromber being traded so much as Chandler Rome talked about how that would make sense. Okay. You know, he wrote about it in The Athletic and said, hey, if you're going to make a deal, you know, just the same way as a trade of Jose Arquiti makes sense, right? Um although Fromber would certainly net you more players um, than, than Jose Akiti would. But the, the deal is the Astros have a ton of starting pitching depth, and they really do. And so there is going to come a point during the season at some point where either a move is going to have to be made or something's going to have to happen because you're going to potentially have seven starting rotation guys, yeah. and you can't fit them all on the roster. So trading Fromber makes sense, right? Um he had a weird year last year, uh, very up and down. You know, he had a had a through no hitter, um, was excellent for the first part of the season, then kind of wore down. I am very, very interested this year to see what the lack of a WBC does to impact some of these guys in terms of their longevity. Yeah. Um, I think it particularly impacted Christian Javier. I could be wrong about that, but Javier, remember. Year before last, Javier came in and was a reliever to start the year. He only pitched really the second half of the season as a starter. And not even the second half, really the second, the final third of the season. Mm-hmm. Last year, he comes in as a starter after being in the WBC. He's just, he can't quite get over the hump. Then, then he goes, then he's out for a little bit. He comes back. Well, his arm comes back. Suddenly he pitches really well. I think, and and for him, that's a guy, that's his first season where he's thrown, what, 140, 150 innings or whatever it is. The Astros had a bunch of guys last year who had their first seasons of throwing yeah. 120, 30, 40 innings, right? It's, it's the like first... they all wore out at the end. Yes. And I wonder if that's not going to benefit them this year. Setting aside any potential injuries or whatever, if you've got a guy, if you've got Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, JP France, who, you know, don't want to leave him out. These yeah. are all guys who, uh, Jose Urquidy, that the Fromber Valdez, who none of them have pitched in the WBC. Now all of them have, have pitched over 140 innings or so. Are they going to be able to come back now and know what that's like and be able to avoid the problems they had before? So I'm very curious to see that. As far as Fromber Valdez goes, I mean, he'd bring you back a lot. There's no doubt about it. You could make the argument that, what if you made it if 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 the Astros really wanted to go crazy, maybe Fromber nets you a really good third baseman, then you can move Alex Bregman. You know, I mean, I, that makes reasonable sense to me. If I mean Fromber gets you a high to a triple A ready to go third baseman, a guy that's that's ready to play in the majors, a top prospect for another team, and then Alex Bregman gets you a top pitching prospect or something like that, that m- might be the moves that you could make. It would take an awful lot to make that happen. Yeah. And teams aren't going to be just like snapping their fingers to be like, hey, let's give the Astros a top prospect to third base. And <laughs> let's help them out. Better arms. Let's let's do it, right? Give them the top, let's give them the best outfielder in the majors. None of that stuff is really, I think it, it's a it's unlikely. But if they were going to make a move, if I were the GM, that would be the order of the dominoes. I would want to see fall yeah. if I were going to do that. Um, so maybe it's a possibility. But I think if Fromber is going to get moved i think it won't be until mid-season i think trade deadline though for the astros this season could be very interesting depending upon what the record is what do you think about the jv trade trading those two high prospects 
if we don't win the World Series, I guess that that didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. But overall, it, he's he's going to be here next year, and I think that's really going to help our our pitching staff a lot. So overall, I I still think it's pretty good. Uh, I was trade yeah, because oh, you I never agree. know if these guys are going to be any good, but you know, JV's a stud. I thought, you know, um, I just thought that the trade itself, it stung a little bit, right? Because they gave up both Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, right? That's what sort of stung to me is that you gave up two of your top 10 prospects to get Verlander. Um, I understand it. I understand the logic behind it. And there's no... Uh, getting something great without giving something up in return. Um, But I will say that there are benefits to having Justin Verlander to me that just outweigh the sting of losing those guys. And I'm not normally someone like that. I tend to be kind of a youth forward type of person. I tend to think in terms of what's happening down the line, not just what's happening right now. But Verlander is kind of a different beast. I mean, first of all, it wouldn't shock me if this year and next year, you know, he pitches really well, you know, I mean, he's, he's built from that Nolan Ryan sort of frame of a guy who can just, who just keeps on motoring. And I also think that having a guy like him here with a lot of younger pitchers, is just a huge benefit. I think him just being around a guy like that, understanding what he does every day, his preparation, how he takes care of his body, all the things that he does, I think that's just a, a it's just a net win no matter what. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I I didn't like it at the time just because it I felt like it was a lot, which it was, but yeah, you know, what are you gonna do? You gotta give something to get something. And I think it was a reasonable deal at the time, and I think ultimately Astros are better for it. I remember uh back when the Astros traded for Grinky. Yeah, there was this long list of players and that's the last fear. The last player they told me about was Seth Beer. And I was like, I knew that was going to get what? <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, what no. are you talking about? This is our future first baseman. Like, this guy's going to be a stud. This, guy's, this guy got sent back to the minors already. So, yeah, I you never look, know that when it comes to when it comes to prospects. Right. Um, I don't it, it's very rare. It's very rare that a team wins a deal where they get prospects and, and you get a star. Yeah. You know, it's very rare. Now it happens occasionally, but if you're trading away someone that is absolutely really, really good, like a legitimate, like Verlander, right? You trade somebody like that <clears throat> or Grinky in that circumstance. Um, and you get back prospects, just, you probably lost that deal. Now, you may be one of those prospects. Look, one of the I think one of the most even trades in history was when the Astros traded for Randy Johnson. The guys they gave up, they had a couple of guys that ended up being pretty longtime starters, uh, you know, in baseball. Very, very productive guys. But <clears throat> that doesn't normally happen. Normally you give up guys that are prospects, and most of them are flameouts. You know, yeah. if you're lucky, you get a guy that comes to you and and plays some meaningful baseball. So Look, it's it, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. I think you, you have to roll the dice. When it's somebody like Grinky or Verlander, then you roll the dice. If it's a middling outfielder, then no. But if it's <laughs> one of those guys, yeah, you probably do. And you probably do it again. All right, let's touch it on Otani a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. Look. Um so seven hundred million for seven years? Ten. Or ten years. So it's seventy million a year. And he gets it. He gets six hundred ninety of it deferred. It's backloaded. Yeah, six hundred and eighty. It's uh, it's two million a year for ten years, and then six. And then the six hundred. I remember on the Simpsons one year, there Homer was going to buy a car. He was buying the Canyon Arrow, and 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 they said uh, it'll be simple. These simple monthly payments, and then finally the CPB or crippling balloon payment. And I'm yeah. like, that's what they. That's what the Dodgers have got is a crippling balloon payment of $680 million in a decade. But that balloon payment is also paid out over like 10 years, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy deal. Never mind the fact that Otani can opt out of his deal at any time if certain guys aren't there anymore. I guess really? like if the GM is no longer there, he can make the decision to opt out. And, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy 
stuff with this deal. It's, Why would he opt out if all of it's at the end? Does he lose it all? No, it's a guaranteed contract. He still gets paid, oh. you know, like for all that stuff. Now he could, he, he can, and he can like get traded. There's all sorts of crazy stuff. That yeah. But the so, deal, so the, the thing I was the most curious about is does, you know, so he's only getting 2 million a year instead of 70. That doesn't even count against the uh, the luxury tax, does it? Or well, there's it? they the okay. So the way that is figured, I didn't know any of this stuff until after I read up on this. But the way those deals are figured is there is a, uh, and I can't remember if it's the players' association or if it's the league that makes the determination about what the should go against their salary cap based on the money that he's being paid. So they defer him all this money. But it's not just two million against the cap. They yeah. calculate it, so they made a determination that it will count forty. I think it's forty-seven million Dang. per year against their cap. So it's a still pretty big cap hit, but it's not. Yeah. It's not seventy million. And so it's less. It's it's not quite. It's a little more than half of what it would have been had they not deferred it. I was going to say that they could be opening up a whole mess of you know people just signing a whole bunch of players and deferring right. it but you still got to pay all these guys at the end of the road right i i think that you know look i think this is a deal that's unique for otani because of how much Ota money otani I, I think i saw somewhere that his estimated uh sponsorship value per year right now not before signing with the dodgers was 50 million dollars yeah that's he makes in sponsorships, so that's going to go up now that he's playing in L.A. I mean, I mean, he was he was playing in L.A., but now that he's LA. playing with the Dodgers yeah. instead of the Angels, the Anaheim Angels. Um, so that value is definitely going to go up. There's no question. Uh, he is a marquee superstar, uh, you know, in in the world of sports. Um, so now I think, you know, so that's what allowed him to defer all that money. Most guys aren't going to defer money for 20 years. Yeah. You know, he's also, he's young, you know, so 20 years he'll be in his forties. God, I hate, I hate even thinking about that, but, um, you know, that he's a young guy, so we can get away with that. I don't think those are the kind of deals that are going to work for most baseball players. I think most baseball players are going to be like, hell no, I want all my money. Yeah. And, uh, and he's got the advantage of being young and, Making a boatload of money. So it's really basically because he's worth so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and the guys like you have to do something because you can't take a $70 million hit. Right. And I, and I just think that I think it was a smart deal on his part. I, apparently too. I, I said on Twitter and stuck my foot in my mouth of saying he would never offer that deal to the blue Jays or whoever else, but apparently he did. He offered the same deferment deal to everybody. Wow. So kudos to him, you know, for being uh, upstanding in that regard. Um, but I, you know, I just think I am such not a fan of the giant mega deals as a general rule. Not because uh, I don't think teams should players should get that. Players should get it. It's fine if you can if you if players can get it, go get it, man. I don't I don't uh, begrudge anybody from get, getting their money. Uh, get those stacks and stacks, you know, <laughs> but um, I would have like, I'm just making it rain up in here. <laughs> so it's like, if somebody's saying, Hey, we're going to sponsor the believe in Astros podcast, we'll give you 20 million a year. I'll be like, I will take it. I will take it. Send me a check. Um, but I think what, when you, uh, when you look at this situation, the problem I have is I, Ken Rosenthal, who I, I'm so ambivalent about really when it comes to writing, he was writing about how small market teams just need to get over. How can a small market fan base get over it how is it possible but when you know every single year that you your chances of even making the postseason never mind you know uh making the world series or winning one are so infinitesimal compared to the teams that spend the big dollars that just to me that means you're just basically you're making those fan bases just not mean anything they suddenly now they're not important anymore and I think you just can't ignore that. It would be one thing if this were spread across. Let's say there were, you know, there's how many ever teams, 30 teams in baseball, and it was spread across. Uh, there were five or six who were in the who were in the lower end of the market. But that's not the case. It would be like 20 of the 30 teams are in the lower end of the market. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at teams and you say, okay, how's 
okay, what's Toronto going to do? What's Minnesota going to do? What's Milwaukee going to do? What's Kansas City and St. Louis? And like, and, and some of these teams still spend money, but it's very complicated for these small market teams. Never mind the fact that it seems like all baseball wants is for everybody to go play for either Los Angeles or New York. It's yeah. like, okay, cool. They're all in your, your marketplace. That's great. But that's not, I don't think that's good for the sport personally. What if they had a small market team playoff? <laughs> like division two and in, in <laughs> yeah. college sports. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it's kind of getting to that. I mean, it's like the power five conferences in college football or whatever. Yeah. It does feel that way. And, and it's funny though, too, when you look at, I mean, well, you saw what happened in college, in college football, where basically the, a team got screwed because the, because, Oh no, the sec is not going to make the post, you know, the playoff. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you're looking at a similar thing here where you're just, you're really, I mean, you're limited. Look, the, when you look at the big teams and you're like, okay, it's the Mets and the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Giants, maybe uh, Philadelphia, Boston, you know, Houston may, pays money, Dallas spends money. So you've got, you know, maybe Atlanta you could put in there. There's like t- maybe 10 teams that really can spend money, like legitimate money. And then everybody else, <clears throat> they just kind of ragtag it along as best they could. San Diego obviously ponied up a bunch, it didn't help them. Yeah. But the truth is, is that, you do have to uh, to spend money to be competitive. <clears throat> Too many of these teams just don't have the money to spend, which means they're not going to be competitive. And so you're just going to, it's bad baseball. It's just bad yeah. for baseball. I per, I'm not as big a fan of the NFL, obviously, as I'm a bit of a baseball and basketball are my two favorites, but the NFL there, the salary cap in some ways gets it right because there yeah. is tremendous parity in the NFL. And that yeah. happens because, well, you can't stay rich forever. Yeah, I mean, there's teams in the NFL, or you're a fan of a team in the NFL, and you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You have a yeah. chance to go far. You have the same amount of chance as everybody else. Yep. But in baseball, you could be a Pittsburgh Pirate <clears throat> fan, and you know no, you're you not no going to win the World Series. You no Your chance. goal is to just get a wild card spot and see a wild card game once in a while. That's it. That is exactly it. Your, your goal is hopefully to have a fun team to watch. Because you're just not, there's just no opportunity for you. I mean, and, and really that speaks to the larger issue just in baseball as a whole. Now, I think some of that, some of that could be remedied um, with better, uh, more all-encompassing media deals. Uh, If baseball were able to have better, just a better overall media landscape for them, better streaming, no blackouts, stuff like that. I think it could remedy some of that because I think you could increase your advertising revenue. I think you could make more money, but ultimately, ultimately what it boils down to is there are just some teams that have boatloads of money, you know, Steve Cohen (coughs) cough. Um, And then there are some teams that just don't. And when you don't have any kind of protection, it's like the luxury tax is nothing to these guys. (laughs) Some of these guys, the luxury tax is like lunch money, you know? And so, when that happens, ugh, it just puts you at such a disadvantage. And the Astros are kind of floating in that nebulous middle ground. They have money, but they don't have, you know, Mets money, Yankees money, yes, network money, as it were. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a weird situation for baseball. And I'm not sure what they're going to do about it, frankly, because they're certainly not getting a salary cap <laughs> anytime soon. All right, so do you have any final thoughts? I know we covered a lot of stuff, and we, we did. are uh, we're nearing fifty-five minutes here. So. Nice. Well, my, you know, I, I told you before, we're, uh, uh, Blum and I are going to do our hundredth episode of Believe in Astros tomorrow, so that should be fun. Wow. Um, which has been really fun doing that the last year and a half or so. You know, for the Astros fans, I just say preach patience. You know. Don't worry so much about, I mean, this is a very, very good team. It's going to be a very, very good team again. Um, <clears throat> the AL, uh, I mean, the the Rangers are the team to beat, but the Mariners have gotten worse. The Angels have gotten worse. The A's are terrible. <laughs> um, this is a, this is a winnable, it's a gettable division again. Yeah. And so I think uh, when you look at that and you look at where the Astros are with their players, they're in pretty good shape. I think next summer, next excuse me, next winter will we'll be that will be a much more. It'll be a different situation. We'll be having different conversations at that point than we're having right now. For now, status quo is good. Keep you know, keep the guys, keep playing hard, and and see where it lands you. Yeah. 
All right, folks, that's all we have. Thank you guys for giving part of your day to to check out uh, my conversation with Jeff Balke. And don't forget to check out the 100th episode of Believe in Astros with him and Blummer. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on, buddy. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.